was on point. Well, well, well. Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast. Only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. I am one of your co-hosts, joined here by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. How you doing, dude? I'm doing well. How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing. I'm glad about that crack we got going. That was a nice solid crack. Popping the beers over here. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you're tuning in right now, this is our late game start or sit episode, which will be the Sunday afternoon game, Sunday night football, Monday night football. We're going to dive into that in just a second. But before we get into that, make sure you're following us on following us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Make sure you're liking and subscribing on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. If it's possible to rate us, give us five stars. If you're not going to give us five stars, then just don't even rate us because we don't want the rating. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as you can tell by now, we are missing one of our co-hosts. Jimbo Dreer. He's busy being a traveling businessman, doing all his traveling businessman stuff that I don't fully understand. It doesn't matter. He's not here. (laughs) We miss him greatly (laughs) because usually he does all the things that I'm doing right now. Either way, we're going to dive into our late game starter sits for this weekend, week three of the NFL season. And um, did I miss anything, Big Irby? Uh, make sure to follow us at the FF Fathers on Twitter. You got that? <laughs> even <laughs> yes, even I did, already we're gonna say that. it again. <laughs> hey, even if yeah, we did, we gotta say it again. Follow us for at, you. The, at the FF Fathers. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. I did forget one thing. This episode also includes our starts of the week, and so we'll yeah. go over our quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end starts of the week. And as is tradition for the last, you know, season and a quarter, we do, we got Stinky's defenses of the week. If you're starting a defense in your league, you definitely want to pay attention to that. So let's just dive into it right now. The first of our late games that we got going on is the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Chargers in L.A. The Chargers are favorites by seven points. The over-under is 47 and a half points. And let's just talk about the Jaguars running back situation. Is Travis Etienne in bus territory? It seems like right now James Robinson is outplaying him um, completely. Is it too early to give up on him? Or do you still have faith in Travis Etienne? I guess I might have pronounced it wrong. No, Etienne's perfect. That was spot on. Um, Ah. I don't think... Oh man, I, I I'm not giving up him in terms of like I'm gonna drop him, but I'm damn sure not putting him anywhere in my starting lineup right now. James Robinson is dominating this backfield. He's clearly getting the most touches, getting the most most snaps, um, and doing the most with said touches too. So um, it's just one of those things. Like until I see something different, I'm James Robinson's the guy you want. Etn should be on your bench. I totally agree. And um, am I wrong with James Robinson having a lower ADP in the offseason than Travis Etienne, right? Oh, much, much lower by like many rounds. I think Etienne, I think his average was 
like late third, early fourth. And James Robinson was going like the tenth. Right. So what a great value James Robinson is. And I, I mm-hmm. agree. James Robinson is the starter you want in the Jaguars backfield right now. So let's move on to the receivers. It's very clear at this point that Christian Kirk is the number one option for Trevor Lawrence. He loves him some Christian Kirk or maybe it's the offensive scheme. Who knows? Either way, Christian Kirk is getting the ball constantly in that offense. And he is currently wide receiver seven in fantasy points, which no one saw that coming. Another very high value, low ADP guy, just like James Robinson. Do you think it's just a hot start, like a hot start for uh, Christian Kirk, or is it the beginning of a breakout season? Honestly, I'm leaning towards the beginning of a breakout season. Um, he's getting a ton of usage in the offense. Him and uh, Trevor Lawrence seem to have a really, really good connection, and he's a very, very talented receiver. And I know we were all a little concerned on what he would be when he's the number one guy, but so far he's showing that. He can be that guy. Um, so I think it's going to be a breakout season for, for Kirk. And where you drafted him in like, you know, the eighth or ninth round in most cases, you're getting incredible value for him. So I think I have him in two leagues and it's working out really well for me so far. And uh, and, and I love, I, again, I think it's going to be a breakout season for Kirk, that Kirk now after seeing what, you know, transpired the first two weeks. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, 14.7 points week one, 22.8 points week two, uh, and a half PPR league. If you're looking at their roster, it seems obvious that Christian Kirk is going to be that guy. But when you're doing your offseason drafts, I mean, everyone was wondering, oh, Marvin Jones, is Travis Etienne going to get a bunch of, you know, work out of the backfield? Right now, it doesn't look like that. Christian Kirk seems to be, you know, the number one option when they're passing the ball. And he's on fire right now. But... Be going going beyond Christian Kirk. Is there anyone we're even interested in? I personally love you know Dan Arnold, who is a wide, uh, you know, tight end two at this point. And Evan Ingram did have a little bit of a breakout game last week: eight targets, seven catches, forty six yards, which sounds horrible, but for you know a tight end who isn't in that top five tier, that's not bad. You know, eight point one fantasy points. How do you feel about Evan Ingram? I feel all kind of bad ways about Evan Ingram. <laughs> um, <laughs> of course you do. Dude, I mean, that guy's just burned you so many times in the past. I mean, I just I just can't, man. I don't I don't even care. I don't I, he he could turn around and become like a top five tight end the rest of the year. I'd still tell you he's it's a lie. He's be he's doing some kind of wizardry trick on you and it's it's not gonna continue. Um I just I'm not gonna touch Evan Ingram. I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck his way into, you know, top 12 tight ends. But, you know, like we said a million times in this podcast, if it's not top five or top six, it it really doesn't matter. All those guys are finishing around 130, 150 points. It is so hit or miss, and you're just streaming tight ends at that point. So, um, I mean, beyond the Jaguars, are you interested? Before I move on from the Jaguars, are you interested in Trevor Lawrence? He's kind of heating up but not really i mean 18.5 points last week he's like a streaming quarterback at this point right yeah i mean so far he's qb 13 on the season um and that's probably where 
you're going to see. I think he's going to, he'll probably end the season somewhere in that range, like 13 to 15, where week to week, he's, uh, you know, a streamable guy, depending on the matchup. Um, now this week against the chargers who have a pretty damn good defense, you know, highly paid. That's for sure. They have a lot of free agents guys, but the defense as a whole is pretty good. And so far against quarterbacks, they're only giving up 15 points a game. Um, it's kind of middle of the pack against, you know, for, for the league, but I man, I, I would lean away from Trevor Lawrence as a streaming option this week. I think there's better options out there. Um, if you listen to the last episode, we brought up James Winston and Jared Goff. I think those would both be better plays this week over Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. And probably Marcus Mariota, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. So let's move on to the Chargers side of the ball. Then Justin Herbert last week, you know, um, is he got a fractured rib cartilage. You could tell he was struggling with it later in the game, kind of limping a little bit. But at the same time, you know, two plays later, throwing the ball 40 yards downfield, absolute, like an absolute dart, just slinging it. He did individual work at, on Wednesday, and there's really not that big of a chance of him missing week three. He's a must start, right, if he does play? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, of course, the only my only concern is that the Chargers make sure they have a different doctor than the one who shot up Tyrod Taylor last year. Because he's going to end up getting that that pain shot before the game. (laughs) You got to make sure, make sure, man, if they go, if they go too far, and they puncture that that long. Trust me, a lot of fantasy owners will be finding where that doctor lives. What's the over under on punctured lung punctured lungs right now? Look it up real quick. Caesar Sportsbook. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, Keenan Allen also, you know, dealing with a little bit of injury. He was a limited participant in practice Wednesday. He didn't even play last week, and he personally says he has a shot to play this weekend. But with him out last week and, you know, we saw it become the Michael Williams show. I mean, would you play Keenan Allen this week? Uh, I think Mike Williams is a really strong player this week. Even with Keenan Allen out, Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter didn't really do much. So it's really Mike Williams or nothing unless Keenan Allen does play. And even at that point, I'm not confident in playing him. Um, Yeah, if Keenan Allen's playing, I'm going to start him. Um. The only way I would not consider that, and I, you're playing regardless. If Justin Herbert's out, doesn't play, that's going to be a bit of a problem. I think you could see um, a pretty significant downgrade for Allen and Williams, but I mean, you're going to have to play them just where you draft them at. It's just going to be what it is. Um, but yeah, you know, you're you're playing Keenan Allen. I mean, he's Mister Consistent. I understand. You know, he missed last week in the week one. He'd have a ton of targets. But he still turned four targets and four receptions in 66 yards. So that's pretty damn good. Um, and he only played 33% of the snaps because of the injury. Um, Keenan Allen, we've talked about it. This dude is like the most consistent guy in fantasy. The dude's basically just locked in for 90 catches, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. Yeah, d- definitely very consistent. Kind of reminds me of Brandon Cooks, but a little bit. Better, I would better. say. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, right. 
But if Keenan Allen does miss another, you know, a significant amount of time, we saw Gerald Everett be a huge, you know, benefactor of what with Keenan Allen being out. He had 10 targets, six catches, 71 yards. Really surprising at this point in the season, you know, Gerald, Gerald Everett is number four. He's the number four yeah. tight end, and he hasn't even had that many good games. 12.9 points week one, 10.1 points week two. That just kind of shows how the tight end landscape is just so hit or miss and very barren. Um, are, are you plugging him in as a weekly starter, Gerald Everett? I mean, I don't want to say yes. It feels yucky. Um, but, <laughs> but like, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those weird things that like Gerald Everett, a weekly fantasy player. Ugh. I, but I mean, it maybe. Maybe I I don't want to go past maybe, but it's somebody I would consider. Let me put it that way. I mean, he's he's putting up points right now. Um, week one, he had really low targets, though, and he, you know, made up for it with the touchdown. And then with, you know, an out week two, he got a ton of targets. So I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, but, you, you know. Fuck it. Throw him in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty much with you because tight ends are so iffy, man. Yeah, I, I I would if you don't have one of them top five tight ends. Gerald Everett is a very good tight end to be playing. Um, but man. let's move on to Austin Eckler though. Unless you have something to say about Gerald Everett that you have. No, I'm just saying said. like I wish there was like a visualization of the war that just went on in my head versus start sitting Gerald Everett. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, I would imagine it's like the last of the samurai with Tom Cruise and you're the samurai going against that Gatlin gun and you have no choice but to just keep pushing forward even though you're all going to fucking die. What a great reference. Yeah, that's you're a, welcome. That's a very that's a that's an undervalued <laughs> that's a very undervalued movie. I will say that. That's a great movie. I think it's on Netflix right now. Maybe we should go yeah, watch it. <laughs> yeah definitely watch the last samurai with tom cruise <laughs> so speaking of tom cruise <laughs> what's going on with austin eckler another yeah. short guy right yeah there we go a little transition <laughs> um, someone who was yeah. drafted very high is it's horrible right he hasn't averaged three hours of carry so far this year being totally just buoyed by his receiving stats, if you could even say that. It's keeping him above water right now. His rushing yeah. stats are horrible. Traditionally a good running, you know, rushing stat guy. What do we do with this dude? I mean, obviously you drafted him in like the top five picks in your draft. Uh, if, if receivers went early, maybe went like this, like seven. But either way, like you have to play off snackler. But if you listen to the last episode, same thing. There's a lot of big name running backs that got drafted really early that are struggling so far this season. I don't know what it is. You know, Eckler's on there. Uh, King Henry's on there. Uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, even Christian McCaffrey's having a slower start than I think a lot of people expected. Jonathan Taylor had a really bad week, too. Like, there's just all these guys that are just not producing the way we're expecting them to do. And I don't know what, what it is. I don't know what the reasoning for it is. But you have to continue to put them in your lineup, obviously. You know, you there for most most of the part was your number one overall pick, so you had to go with them. Um, I don't, I don't know, man. 
I don't know what's up with him. I don't know what's up with all the other running backs either. Um, I would lean towards them progressing as the season goes on and going back to the normal guys we're expected to see. Um, so I'd just say, you know, stand tall, wait it out, and eventually you'll get what what you're looking for with for out of Austin Eckler. Yeah, stand tall, wait it out, just like Tom Cruise being the last samurai <laughs> against the Gatling gun. Or whatever. Yeah, it, like we said in our last episode, though, it's only week two. Things the, the landscape will constantly be changing. Injuries are going to happen. Guys, we're talking about struggling right now. Might be having huge games. Guys, we don't even know about at this point. Practice squad guys might be big players three weeks from now because of injuries. You got to write these guys out from where you drafted them. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up that game. Let's just move on to the next game. Which would be the Atlanta Falcons playing in Seattle against the Seahawks. The Seahawks are two point favorites. You might like to hear that. Yeah. The over unders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Battle of the Birds. Over under 42 points. I guess the first thing we'll tackle right now, you know, is, uh, you know, wh- what are we supposed to do with Cordero Patterson? You know, he had that really big week one and did next to nothing in week two, basically spit carries with Tyler Algier. I personally am not surprised. We've talked about it plenty of times before, you know, Cordero Patterson, one of my personal favorite guys to watch, have the ball in his hands. Very hard runner. Not traditionally a running back, though. And we I think we discussed this at the towards the end of last season. He he's not really built to be that running back guy. You know, he's he's not, you know, built for endurance like that. He's more of a receiver guy, not used to getting all those hits. Uh, what are you doing with Cordero? You're benching him straight up. Um, we, I, we talked about it a lot in the offseason that, or at least I did for sure, that Tyler Algier was going to end up being the RB1 in this offense by sooner rather than later. And it's already starting. Going from absolutely dominating the carries in week one to going to a 50-50 split with a rookie in week two is not a good look for Cordell Patterson. Um, I, th- I think this is the beginning of the end already. Uh, we talked and like you said, we talked about it a lot last year because Cordero really kind of fell off a cliff towards the end of last season. We talked about how he had more touches last season than he had ever had at any point in his career. You have to even going back to college, he didn't have those kind of touches. Um, I think you probably would have to go back to see what his high school stats were for the last time he had the amount of touches he did last <laughs> season. And you know, well, you know, in high school he was probably the stud on the team, right? He did everything. Um, but like in ten when he was at college in Tennessee, he never had those kind of touches. So it's a concern. He's like you said, he's not built for that. He's traditionally a receiver. I understand he's a big dude. He's 6'2", 220. The dude's built. But, you know, running between the tackles 20 times a game is not for everyone. It's actually good for about 15 people in the world, you know? So, like, he's just not going to be able to do it. And Tyler Algier is going to end up taking over this backfield. It's happening already. And Cordell Patterson should be on your bench. I could tell you're glad to say that Tyler Algier is going to take over the backfield. Because I know you're you're big on Algier. I am. I'm not loving the film that I've seen from him, but you know, at the same time, um, the stats don't lie. Algier is definitely making an impact. So yeah, I at this point, like we're avoiding their running backs at this point. We gotta 
wait for things to smooth out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, saying throw Algier into your starting lineup right right now. I'm just saying eventually you will be putting him into your lineup. Um, I would say probably about about mid season. Yeah, it sounds about right. Well, let's talk about the receivers then. Uh, Drake Leonard had a huge week last week, twenty one or twenty point one points in half PPR leagues. So far, things would suggest that he has already supplanted Kyle Pitts as the guy to have in the Falcons passing game. Pitts has been struggling. He has half the targets that Leonard has. Uh, only you know thirty eight yards in the season to show for it on ten targets. He's still playing a large snap percentage. You know, he's on the field pretty much the entire time, but the ball is not going to him. So that's that's pretty concerning for people who drafted Kyle Pitts. And what, what was this, like round five, I think he was going in? Yeah, I mean, for most of the draft season, he was being drafted ahead of guys like Darren Waller and George Kittle, which I thought was crazy. Fucking chumps. Chumps. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was crazy. I know we talked about it a bunch, but... uh it's just showing he's he's getting a decent amount of targets for a tight end. Like he's, he's got ten targets. Not it's not an awful thing, um, but he's just not doing anything with it. <laughs> Funny enough, in the app, in the last episode, I brought up the weird stat with DJ Moore having the same stats uh, week one and two. Kyle Pitts is in the same boat: two catches and nineteen yards, both week one and week two. I don't understand how that happens. Um, yeah, weird little thing, but yeah, it seems like right now. Drake London is the pass catcher to have. And where you draft a Calvitz, you obviously have to play him. You have to start him. There's no way you're going to bench him and find a better streaming option um, because his, his ceiling is so high. But man, I am concerned that Marcus Mariota and him are just on completely opposite pages right now. Yep. And I would add on to that by saying, you know, last week the Seahawks did do good against the 49ers tight ends. But that's without George Kittle. So yeah, that, that in my eyes doesn't count. Trey Lance has been really struggling. That was also the game he injured himself, and then Jimmy G came in, so we had a quarterback transition uh, during that game versus Seahawks. And the Seahawks in Week One played the Broncos, and they you know they allowed seven catches, eighty-five yards on eleven targets, which is quite a few. But if there's a game where Kyle Pitts is going to bounce back, I, I think it would be this one. You know, it seems like he's in a good position this week to bounce back. Mm-hmm. But uh, for other Falcons players, I would say, you know, I know it's just me saying this is my comeback player of the year, Marcus Mariota. But I think he's worth starting against the Seahawks, um, especially if you have a quarterback you're not you know, faithful in. If you have one that you like, obviously, you're not going to start Marcus Mariota. But if you're questionable, if to say you're a guy who punted quarterback and went Trey Lance Marcus Mariota is someone you want I'd rather have Marcus Mariota than you know Jimmy Garoppolo am I wrong in saying that I mean his upsides there because of the running capability so I don't think you're necessarily wrong um, I think you're gonna have a lot more consistent play out of Garoppolo for the season than you will Mariota Mariota's gonna have a lot more up and down but uh but I wouldn't say you're necessarily wrong yeah, well, I don't want the consistent, you know, 13 points a week that Garoppolo is going to get me because he's hot garbage. But, yeah, I, I, I'll i be honest. I'll, I'll reel it back a little bit. Garoppolo did look good when he came in last week. I'll be honest. Yeah, but anyways, well. let's, let's move on from the Falcons. Talk about the Seahawks side of the ball. 
what are we going to do by this backfield? I was really high on Rashad Penny, and I'm really disappointed so far. Uh, Kenneth Walker made his debut last week after having his hernia, like hernia surgery, I think, about a month ago. A month and a roughly, half ago. Yeah. yeah, roughly. And, yeah, once Kenneth Walker showed up, the Seahawks apparently forgot Rashad Penny was there, which is awesome. Because um, <laughs> even then, Travis Homer was the leading running back in snap percentage. I don't know what's happening. Pete Carroll's 80 years old. Dementia's <laughs> setting in. I don't know what I don't know what the fuck they're doing in Seattle. You're yeah, the Seahawks fan. Explain it to me. Bro, I don't know. They were in like three plays where they had all four running backs on the field at the same time where they had uh Kenneth Walker, Shaw Benny, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas all on the field at the same time. And then they ran a terrible Wildcat thing where DJ Dallas threw a pick in the end zone. So it was terrible. <laughs> but like Kenneth Sick. Walker made his debut and still only had four carries. He he played a very small amount of snaps, which I was surprised about. Then I had to go deeper and it was like, oh, Travis Homer <laughs> led all the running backs in in usage last week. And I understand like they were behind the whole game and Travis Homer is kind of the well, they like to use him as their, as the pass catching back. Um why? I don't know. Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker have both shown that they can catch the ball in the backfield. But you know, to each their own. At this point though, you can't start any of them. You have no idea what's happening week to week or even drive to drive for that matter. So there's no way you're putting any of them into the lineup. Hopefully, as the season comes along, we get some kind of idea of where it's going to go, more distinguished roles for for each Penny and Walker. But until that happens, you're benching him. Uh, I still got faith in Penny, but I, I'm with you on pretty much like 90% of what you said. So let's oh, talk about the receivers. I'm just saying, you know, until we see something change and like more solidified roles happen, you can't bank on any of these guys to to produce for you. Yeah, I'll, I, I'm just speaking from personal experience, I guess, because I'm banking on Rashad Penny helping me in two of the seven leagues that I'm in that I went <laughs> uh, essentially no running back. And I'm just like, God damn it. Where are you at? So I'm still starting Rashad Penny, but I, I totally see what you're saying. Well, let's talk about the receivers, because uh, one of them has to be worthy, as far as the Seahawks go, between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, DK Metcalf, it seems like we, we're kind of seeing where he's going to be as far as, you know, around six targets, not very much depth of target. It's a little concerning. Um, I know what you wrote on here. You like DK more than Tyler Lockett, but Tyler Lockett last week had 11 targets for nine yards, 107 yards, or sorry, 11 targets for nine receptions, 107 yards. I mean, like, why, why do you like Lockett more than Metcalf? Yeah, you, you mix it up when you first said, I like Lockett more than Metcalf as long as Geno's there because it, he fits Geno's, you know, uh, play better. Um, Geno. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. So, like, DK is the physical freak, right? He's that guy who you can push the ball down the field to, and he's going to go up and probably make the play. He actually had a really good catch um, in, the, in the last game deep down the field. It got called back because of, I think, like an illegal man downfield, some stupid penalty like that. But in terms of consistency, you're going to see a lot more from Tyler Lockett. Geno Smith has so is leading the league in completion percentage right now at 81% because his depth of target or depth of pass is 
insanely low. Um, uh, it's it's nothing less over than, five yards. <laughs> yeah, essentially, it's nothing over five yards, man. So it looks like his average depth of of pass attempt is less than seven yards, which is really low. Um, the only guys that are really better than that are basically backups or guys that are trash. You know, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, Joe Flacco, things like that. So, oh, okay. Anyways, yeah. So that's just what it is. Tyler Lockett is just he plays the short game better than DK does because Tyler Lockett's a pretty savvy route runner. Uh, he and when there's a broken play, he's much better at getting open. Uh, we saw that a couple times in, in the last week's game, and that's one of the things that Tyler and Russell Wilson had such a good connection with was that whenever the play was broken, Tyler just knew how to get open, and that's going to be the benefit to him. Where DK is the type of guy. I swear, the second you know they move Drew Locke into the starting lineup, I'm going to completely reverse this and say TK because Drew Locke is going to give him shots down the field. Um, I think a lot because Drew Locke has a massive arm. But until that happens, Tyler Locke is the guy I'm going to I'm going to rely on. That sucks to say because for most people, DK was what a fourth round or fifth round pick, and Tyler Locke was going like in like the eleventh. And so sitting DK is really hard. Um, you might not be able to actually do it based off of what your roster is looking like, but right now, uh, Tyler Lockett should be in lineups over DK. Quick side piece. We saw a trade in one of the many leagues that were a part of with each other. Um, one team was trading DK Metcalf, and the other team was trading Juju Smith-Schuster and Jeff Wilson. Who do you think wins that trade? Well, we got to look at that because that's also in our Dynasty League. So it's a little different. You got to look at it in a long-term feature. And DK would still be the guy you want to have within that trade. Because eventually, it's not going to be Geno throwing DK the ball. It's going to be, you know, a top five pick next year in the draft. It's going to be, you know, a Bryce Love, CJ Stroud, or another big arm guy. So it's someone who can grow and develop with DK alongside of him. So I think you got to look at that trade a little differently. Um, For this season, I would say Juju and the Jeff Wilson pickup are better, even though Jeff Wilson is kind of a short-term pickup because Elijah Mitchell will be coming back. Okay, yeah, that makes sense with the Dynasty League. I forgot it was in the Dynasty League. Uh, forgive me, getting my cat off of me. I need a little <laughs> bee. Anyways, let's move on to the next game. And so we got the Rams are in Arizona playing the Cardinals. The Rams are three and a half point favorites. The over-under is 48 and a half points. And we'll just dive into this running back situation that we got going on with the Rams. It seemed like Cam Akers bounced back in week two. He had 15 carries. It did not really do much in week one. And he, he wasn't very productive. Right? And he also wasn't very productive with you know the chances that he got. And... Daryl Henderson still received 10 carries. Yeah. Are you messing with either of these guys? Absolutely not. Um, I think they're both low-end flex, uh, flex plays at this point. And that's probably where they're going to be the rest of the year because Sean McVay is not the type of guy who likes to lean on one running back. He likes to have a committee. He likes to keep guys fresh throughout an entire game and throughout an entire season. So they're going to see very even carries and even play throughout the year. But 
the rushing attack on this offense is not very good right now. The passing attack looks great. Or actually, Cooper Cup looks great. <laughs> um, the rest of the <laughs> offense has been pretty mediocre, honestly. So mm-hmm. I think they're low-end flex plays at best. And unless something drastically changes, you know, an injury, something like that, that's probably where they're going to be the whole season. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It was an off-season quote. You know, where McVeigh said he was going to be using a running back committee. And I've been kind of, you know, parroting that all offseason. I'm just like, you know, why, why would you mess with either of these guys? Because he's already openly saying this, which we all know offseason things can be very iffy. But yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I, I can't really mess with either of these guys. Definitely very, very low end flex plays for me. Um, but w- what about the receivers? So obviously, Cooper Cup is that guy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he is. What about Allen Robinson? You know, he seems like he's still kind of feeling out, you know, his way into the offense. He did score a touchdown last week, still only has seven targets on the season. And the Cardinals traditionally are not very good against receivers. Doesn't look like they're any better this season than they were last year defensively. Would you consider Allen Robinson a flex play? Yeah, yeah, I think I, I would. Um, obviously, him and and Stafford still building a rapport and some chemistry, which with Cooper Cup is you know off the charts. The way that they that they find each other, it's like they know exactly where they want, you know, where they're going to be. So, Allen Robinson is still getting there. Um, as you said, the Cardinals they give up a lot of passing, a lot of passing plays. I feel like. Like Allen Robinson, he's gonna get his. Um, he showed some flashes last week, which I like. So yeah, I would flex Allen Robinson this week. Yeah, I I probably would also. Um, what about you know Tyler Higby? He's Higby? yeah yeah you're Higby Tyler's <laughs> Higby. Right now, getting a decent amount of points. Um, he seems to be the only tight end that they're using right now playing over 95% of snaps. Mm-hmm. And right now he's leading all tight ends in targets this season. All tight ends in the league. Yeah. Has the most, most targets. 20, 20 targets. That's more. That's two more than tra- than Mark Andrews. Three more than Travis Kelsey. Um, that's that's crazy. That blew my mind when I saw that stat. And I understand he's not making a ton of points off of that. But that's a ton of usage. He's getting a lot of looks. Clearly he's getting more looks than Allen Robinson is. Um, and I just feel like eventually that's got to turn into more production from him. So I'm, I think Tyler Higby is a pretty decent, you know, streaming tight end on a weekly basis until we see something different. But right now, I don't, man, that's just so much usage. Like, how can you ignore it? I'm totally with you. You know, if if you don't have one of them top five tight ends, you got to go with the usage or snap percentage. You want a guy who's on the field. Success is going to score points because yeah. they're actually on the goddamn field. Yeah. And but, Higby's so, giving you both. He's giving you the snaps and the usage because of the target share. Yeah, it, it's bound to happen. It, it seems like one of the biggest breakout for tight ends at this point. But we'll see what happens. So let's move on to the Cardinal side of the ball. Uh, James Conner, he didn't practice Wednesday. Limited practice on Thursday. He, you know, after spraining his ankle last week, you know, the coach said, you know, Coach Kingsbury said he's considered day to day. 
um, let's just say Connor does miss the game, who would you be more confident in starting, Eno Benjamin or Daryl Williams? You know, man, it's tough. Um, I'll I mean, just answer basically... for you. Oh, yeah? Daryl Williams. You know, Benjamin, okay. we already saw. We already saw what, what he is. He's nothing. It's Daryl <laughs> okay. Williams. I'm curious what you got to say, though. I think it's tough because they did basically split carries last week. Um, but no, I'm with you. I think it's Daryl Williams. I don't. I feel like there won't be that many people that agree with us that way. Um, but I like what Daryl Williams brings. I think he gives you a lot more options in the passing game as well. Uh, even though he's a big guy, he's 224. He's a big guy, but he's been known as a really good passing back in the past. So, um, or receiving back in the past. So I would lean towards Daryl Williams, even though James Conner practicing today was a big, big improvement. Cause like they weren't expecting him to really mm-hmm. practice, which means that like, if he plays, he's gonna still be the guy there. I think if he's on the field, he's still gonna be the guy that gets most of the carries, most of the snaps. And he's still, he's, he's also shown, like we talked about it earlier in the, early in the year like he's shown he's got absolute great passing chops as well so like he makes plays out of the backfield as a receiver and if james connor is there then you're completely ignoring williams and benjamin i wouldn't even worry about some type of you know timeshare in the backfield because of the injury if james connor is playing he's the guy yeah i'm totally with you and if james connor isn't there it's Daryl williams if you have faith in you know benjamin and you're listening to this i challenge you Follow us on Twitter at the <laughs> FF Fathers and just give me give me any kind of substance, any kind of statistics, any kind of videos, anything. I'm telling you, I have not seen anything promising out of this guy. He's, in my eyes, a third string running back. Prove me wrong. If you can, I I beg you to. But, you know, let's just move on. Um, it, it seems like Greg Dorch, which is a surprising name to say. Mm-hmm. For the Cardinals, you know, he seems to have a really good hold on the number two re- receiver position while Rondell Moore is still out. He had more targets than anyone who wasn't Marquise Brown or Zachers, which means he was third on the team in targets. Do you consider him a flex play? Yeah, I think you have to. I understand the target share was a, was lower last week. He only had four, but he did get the significant target in the red zone, which is big. But week one, he had nine targets. And this is a guy like no one's ever heard of. Like no one knows who that who Greg Dorch is. Um, the and funny enough, everyone talks about Rondell Moore and being like this, you know, super impressive athlete, small. Um, Greg Dorch is basically the same player. Greg Dorch is five seven, one seventy five. Like they're basically the exact same size. I'm not sure if Greg Dorch has like the eight hundred pound squat that uh that Rondell Moore has, but uh, it's pretty impressive to see whoa, how similar they whoa, are. Whoa, whoa, reel it back. Rondell Moore is 175 pounds, squatting 800. Bro, I, I it might be like 650 or something like that, but there's a video of him doing squats, and it's like three times the amount he weighs. It's insane. Jeez. Well, anyways, <laughs> I was going to say, Greg Dorch, I, I'll be honest, someone who I, a picture I've never seen of in my life. <laughs> I was assuming when I pulled up his profile, it was going to be a white guy. Definitely not a white guy. Uh, <laughs> I thought Greg Dorch sounds like a white guy. Definitely not a white guy. Uh, not like it matters, but it sounds like one. <laughs> That's crazy. The whole squatting thing. But yeah. Anyways, yeah. let's just move on to the next game here. 
So we got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Buccaneers in Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay are only one-point favorites, which I find interesting. Uh, the over-under is 42 points, which also seems pretty low. But um, it, the backfield situation for Green Bay seems to be playing out the way we all thought it would. You know, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they're both going to be very prominent in the offense, and they should both be starting in your lineup if you have them, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it really is working out like the way we were expecting it to, where uh, Aaron Jones, he's still getting some, like, uh, you know, he's still getting good good amount of carries, but he's super involved in the passing game. And then A.J. Dillon is actually the leading, you know, uh, carry getter in the offense. So it really is working out exactly the way we expected. Um, and they're probably the best one-two punch at running back in the NFL. Uh, you know, maybe Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb have something to say about that. But, you know, I would put my money on on the Packers backfield. And, yeah, they should both be in your lineup. Oh, yeah, same here. I totally agree. The best one-two punch. I think they're better than Chubb and Hunt uh, just because Hunt is Hunt's not, not on the same level AJ as like Dillon. an A.J. Dillon. Yeah, exactly. Which is it, which is weird to say at this point. Last year we probably wouldn't have said that, but you know, it, you know, things change. It's the NFL. Absolutely. But what about the wide receivers on the Packers? You know, um, Alan Lazard. He finally came back. We all thought that was going to make a big impact. You know, with him being the possible wide receiver one, only had three yeah, targets. So we were wrong. We we were wrong. Everyone was wrong. Lazard did jack. I mean, pr- predicting the 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 Packers wide receivers right now is like playing Russian roulette. <laughs> or not Russian roulette, just maybe roulette, normal roulette. You, know, you put the ball out there, let it spin, see where it lands. No Packers yeah. receiver had more than four targets. Allen's art had three. I mean, I think D- it, Dubs had four. Watson had four. Uh, Watson had four. Watkins had three, I think. Uh, uh, Cobb had four. Like, Aaron Rodgers has never spread the ball around so much in his life. But also, Devontae Adams is there, and he doesn't have anybody to key on, so he's, you know, doing what he can. But man, like you can't put any of these receivers in your lineup. Not like not even close. Yeah, I agree. He's never spread the ball around more, and he's never looked more frustrated. Which, as a Raiders fan, is uh, it just feels kind of good. You know, it's like, yeah, we have <laughs> Devontae Adams. Sorry, but let's move on to the Buccaneers side of the ball. Uh, Mike Evans is suspended for this game after, you know, defending his quarterback, throwing a guy to the ground, whatever happened. Well, uh, it's Tom Brady, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> no, the best thing about that fight was is that um, I think it was Marshawn Lattimore that he hit, and him and Lattimore have bad blood anyways. And the second he saw him chirping at Tom, he's like, oh, yeah. fuck that. I got you. <laughs> like It was great. <laughs> Yeah, using Tom as an excuse. I already hate this guy, but what am I supposed to do? It's Tom Brady. He's talking to Tom. <laughs> exactly. I've already wanted to kill him. So, yeah, Mike Evans is out this week. Uh, Chris Godwin did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. This could be a good streaming week, you know, for Russell Gage, Julio Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, those but, guys are also somewhat injured, right? Yeah. They're both dealing with, dealing with injuries. Uh, Gage was limited today at practice. Julio didn't practice today. I mean, so I don't know who to go with. Um, if Julio doesn't suit up, I would, and Gage does, I think that Gage is an easy play, but um, 
honestly, they're probably both decent plays this week. My only concern is that um, if it, let's say it is just Gage out there, you know, he's going to be one-on-one with, uh, with Alexander all day long. And I don't like that matchup for Russell Gage. Oh, with Jair Alexander. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. honestly. Um, I was going to say that it, if there's any Buccaneers wide receiver I put my money on this week, it'd be Scotty Miller. How do yeah, you feel about that? Doing that? I mean, I don't feel great about it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't feel great about it. If we got Mike Evans gone, Chris Godwin gone, I, 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 I honestly, I'm going to Caesar Sportsbook tomorrow. Scotty Miller. <laughs> I'm Get putting that the money going. On. Yeah. Honestly, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you this. If there's a guy, I, if Julio plays, I'd be willing to throw him into my lineup um, as of like a flex play. If Julio's out, I don't think I want any Buccaneers wide receiver. I'm sure one of them breaks out, whether it be Gage or Scotty Miller. You could be very right about Scotty Miller. Um, but I don't think I want to take that chance. I think there's probably better options out there. At least options that I feel more hey, comfortable with. I'm totally with you. And we're not really a betting podcast, but with all these wide receiver injuries, which we know is kind of like the lifeblood of the Buccaneers, they're a one-point favorite. You might make some you know, some money on the Packers this weekend. That's all. That's really all I got to say, you know. Get some money. Put a little aside. Yeah. Put it on the pack. <laughs> see if you can pack that bank account, you know. I mean, whenever you see a one-point game like that, it's essentially a pick game. There's very few NFL games that come that actually get decided by a single point. So it's basically a pick game. And you're just going to go with the, with the team you think is going to win. Well, you know, our next two games are actually within one and a half points or one point. Yep. Let's move on to them. You know, uh, the next game we're talking about is going to be the 49ers playing in Denver against the Broncos Sunday night football. And the 49ers are favorites by one and a half points over unders for 45 points. And it looks like, you know, Tyron Devin Price already been ruled out with a high ankle sprain. So now Jeff Wilson seems to be the guy who's going to be, you know, heading the 49ers backfield with rookie Jordan Mason behind him and newly signed Marlon Mack, who we know is still recovering from his Achilles injury from two goddamn years ago. Um, (laughs) You know, speaking of players from years ago, if someone knows what Tyrell Williams is doing, please let me know. Hit us up at the FF Fathers. If he's alive, please let me know. Hey, man, I'm really close to putting Hunter Renfro on that list. Don't fucking do that to me. (laughs) <laughs> Tyra Williams, we have a we have a real we have a real uh, APB on him. Where the fuck <laughs> is that guy? But anyways, so it looks like Jeff Wilson's you know manning the 49ers backfield right now. Do you think you know Marlon Mack or Jordan Mason are going to affect Jordan Wilson or Jordan Jeff Wilson's carries? Because uh, it seems like it's the Jeff Wilson show, right? Yeah, I think it's got to be. I mean. La- Jeff Wilson was, you know, him and Curtis Samuel are like the were the two like most popular waiver wire pickups last season or last week, and a lot of guys I and mean, we saw it in our leagues, a lot of fab got spent on Jeff Wilson, so like crazy amounts. Some people spent 
you know, 80% of their season long fab on Jeff Wilson. So, I mean, you're really believing in him, but like, I kind of thought, you know, Ty Davis price would get his little bit. And he, he did, he got, he got his shares and his snaps and he didn't do much with it, but he was there, you know, taking carries away from Jeff Wilson. Now that Ty Davis price is out, Marlon Mack and Jordan Mason, I would think maybe get a couple of carries a piece. Maybe this is the Jeff Wilson show right now until Ty Davis price or Elijah Mitchell come back. So um, if you were the lucky winner of the Jeff Wilson sweepstakes, you are rejoicing this week because he's going to have a, a, a large, large share of carries this week. I'm not saying he's going to have a great game. But the Broncos defense is the Broncos defense. Like it's, a, it's a decent defense. So I'm not saying he, that he's going to have a massive game, but you're going to be happy with the amount of touches he gets. RB2? Yeah, I'd say he's yeah. an RB2 easily. Um, also, I think he would, he'll push for an RB one spot, um, but I would easily put him in an RB two conversation. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So with, you know, the, the running back core being so thin, like, what do you think about Brandon Ayuk? I would personally want to be throwing him into a flex play. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan would, he, he's going to game plan around it a little bit. Brandon Ayuk's been on the field a ton. You know, averaging 94% of snaps first two weeks. Nothing memorable, you know, nothing worth starting the first two weeks. But he's out there. Do you think they'll game plan him into getting some more catches? You know, possibly. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how they use him because obviously on the other side of the field and the cornerback, you have Patrick Sertan, right? Who was a rookie last year, but played really, really well. Um, was a pro bowler. I can't remember if he made the all pro team or not, but he's, you know, playing really well again this, this week, but he's going up against non-traditional receivers when it comes to Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Their moves all over the field. They don't do traditional, you know, routes. They get used in like crazy ways. So it'd be interesting to see how he matches up against them, not knowing where they're going to be lined up week in and week out. So, um, I think IU could be a, a flex play, but I'm a little worried. You know, I'm going to throw this out here, too. This is kind of just kind of mine. And it's not a guy I'm talking about putting into your lineup. But this kind of screams to me like a, a use check kind of game for Kyle Shanahan, where he gets a lot of usage around Ooh. the red zone. gets a lot of ca- a lot I of like looks it. out of the backfield. I think Kyle use check could end up spoiling a lot of. Uh, Jeff Wilson owners this week. I think it could happen. I'm on the Jeff Wilson train for this week, but I wouldn't be surprised if Yuschek eats into his his touches. I'm all about it. I need more takes from you like that. Yeah. <laughs> Get that fullback involved. I'm all about it. All right, so I think that wraps up the Fortnite side of the ball. Um, obviously, Debo Samuel is a must-start. If you haven't learned by now, we don't talk about must-start guys that are just completely obvious. Like You're starting Debo Samuel, Absolutely. no matter what. Uh, let's talk about the Broncos. So, Jerry Judy, he didn't practice on Wednesday. He had shoulder and rib injuries. So, he also missed uh, most of last week's game. He also missed Thursday's practice. But with all that happening, Cortland Sutton took full advantage. He had 11 targets, 
seven catches, 122 yards. I mean, Cortland Sutton seems like he's a must-start, especially if Judy misses time. Oh, without question. Um, and I know out of the three of us, you, me, and Jim, um, I was the only one who I'd said that Judy would be the better receiver in this offense for coming to the season. Um, and so far, it's been kind of 50-50. Um, yeah, at least when you come to like to week one, it's hard to gauge week two because Judy did go out very early in the game. You were wrong. It's fine. You were wrong. It's not wrong. If you go look at their week one, they have like <laughs> identical stat lines. Uh, Ju- Judy was 7-4, 102 and a touchdown. Sutton was 7-4, 72 and no touchdowns. Um, Cortland Sutton, though, did majorly step up with Judy out of the lineup last week. So... It, right now, it looks like Judy, there's a strong possibility he does not suit up. And if that's the case, Cortland Sutton is in for a very big game, even against a very strong Niners defense. Okay, so real quick, would you start Albert O with Jerry Judy out? Albert O. Ogukabanum? Ogukabam? Honestly, no. You know who I'm talking about. The t- <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. But the thing is, so far, Albert O has been played has been outplayed by his other tight ends on his team. Eric Saubert like has actually more or less outplayed him when with a lot less uh, time on the field. So, no, Albert O, I think might be he was probably the most overhyped guy the entire offseason. and we all kind of agreed with that. Like, I'm not so sure he's mm-hmm. going to be the be that guy. And so far, he hasn't been. So, no, uh, Albert O should not be in your lineup, um, especially when you have, like I said, Eric Sauber and then the third stringer, Eric Tomlinson, are both getting like 30% snap share as well. So, Albert O is only on the field for, you know, a third of the game. That's not great. Yep. No, you said it perfectly. I was just curious what you, what you thought about him. <laughs> Let's move on to our last. Late game starts it of the week, and then we'll do our starts uh, our starts of the week between me and you. But before we do that, let's talk about the Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys are in New York, Monday Night Football. The Giants are one point favorites. What am I reading this right? What the dude? Fuck? The Giants. The Giants are two and zero, and it's in New York. <laughs> and oh, Dak God. is not playing. Remember, what is- Dak is not playing. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Dak is not there. Okay, so the Giants are one-point favorites, <laughs> over under 39 points. Holy shit, this is going to be a shit show. This is the worst Monday Night Football <laughs> game ever. Um, <laughs> so Cooper Rush, he actually did pretty good last week, you know, replacing Dak. Uh, surprisingly, led the Cowboys to a, a victory over the Bengals, who were struggling themselves. And yeah. the Giants, they have a middle, you know, they, they've been okay against quarterbacks this year thus far. How do you feel about Cooper Rush? Is he worth a stream? I, God, I can't believe I'm saying this sentence. It's week three. <laughs> uh, uh, no, honestly, like when it comes to streaming <laughs> options, God. I understand. Like I understand some some teams might be in a bind if you had you know Trey Lance as your starter and obviously he's out for the year and maybe you missed out on Garoppolo and the waiver wires, so you have to kind of find somewhere to go with this. Uh, I hope it's not Cooper Rush. 
I think there's other stream role options. Like we talked about a couple earlier, James Winston, Trevor Lawrence, um, a few guys, Jer- Jared Goff. Even. Say his name. Oh my God. You're not going to say his name. Who? Marcus. Marcus Mario. Mariota. Thank you. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's probably the, the rushing upside is, is better than Cooper rushes. That's for sure. So those are all guys I would probably aim for over Cooper rush, but man, maybe you're, maybe you're one of those, those leagues, like, you know, a super flex league where you, where you're starting two quarterbacks. Um, actually that's an experience I'm having dealing with right now is that we're in a super flex league and I didn't punt on the position, but Holy hell. There were, you know, 16 quarterbacks taken the first four rounds. And all of a sudden I'm stuck with Trey Lance, my starting quarterback. And now he's out. And so I had to find somebody and um, I have Matt Ryan and I can't remember. who the other. I think I actually might've picked up Cooper rush. Actually I did. I put him, he's in my super flex spot right now for this week because there's no, like Marcus Mario is not available. Jared Goff's not available. James Winston's not available. Cooper rush was my only available option after someone spent like 50 damn fab dollars on Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, congratulations on losing this week in that league. <laughs> Actually, I'm projected to win. Yeah, projections don't mean shit. I was projected to be last a couple of years ago in one of our leagues, and I won it. So anyways, uh, Cooper Rush worth the stream. Definitely not, in my opinion. Um, but, I would uh, say no unless... Sake, I hope he does okay. Hey, and in like a super flex or a two QB league, worth the stream in those leagues only. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyways. Um, this was on a Zeke. Uh, someone we all were pretty big believers in. And, you know, we were drafting him in the third round. thinking we're getting great value right now. Things are not looking too good. He has less than 11 fantasy points. Um, and you would figure at this point in the season, you know, Tony Pollard is probably taking over because Zeke only has 11 fantasy points. But Tony Pollard really hasn't done much either. Besides, you know, scoring a touchdown last week against the Bengals. Are you, are you trusting either of these guys? Personally, I, I got to roll with Zeke again. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think you, you know, you, you put enough investment in Zeke, you have to go with him. But yeah, if you take away the touchdown from Tony Pollard last week, he only has 14 points on the season. So like three points better than Zeke. And just that's just really, really bad. Um, I mean, you, I don't think you can trust either one. But if you're going to roll with one, it's going to be, be Zeke only because of the draft capital you put into him. Uh, it's disappointing. I... So sad to talk about at this point. But like I said, it's week two. Well, it's week three now. It's only been two weeks. So, oh, yeah, there's know, a lot of time to change drastically. Yeah, definitely. So, um, let's talk about Noah Brown. Very hot waiver wire pick. He led the receiver or the Cowboys re- uh, in receiving yards. But it seems like Michael Gallup might. Oh, receiving yards this season. Yeah, thus far. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Gallup is expected to make his season debut this week, though. Yep. And CeeDee Lamb obviously still, you know, dominating the targets, which makes sense. Um, so you're going to start CeeDee Lamb, but would you rather throw Noah Brown or Michael Gallup into your flex spot? Honestly, I'm I'm th- rolling the dice with Gallup. I understand he missed most of last season, 
and he's recovering from the from you know a major injury. But there's just something about Gallup, who's always like when he's been on the field, he makes big plays. So I think it's Gallup all the way. Um, I think it immediately takes away Noah Brown out of out of this offense. I think the only reason Noah Brown was even part of this offense was because Gallup was out. And now that Gallup's back, I just can't see Noah Brown maintaining what he's done in the first two weeks. I agree. Yeah. If there's one thing I know, uh, it's not going to be Brown. <laughs> if Ga- if Gallup comes back, that's one. Th- that's all I got to say. If Gallup's back, I mean, if Noah Brown can lead the team in receiving yards, Michael Gallup can. So, yeah, yeah. I- I'm totally with you on that one for sure. Yeah. So... According to Jerry Jones, who is the most reliable source of information in the entire <laughs> world, as we all know, um, <laughs> Dalton Schultz is iffy for Monday night, which, God, why am I reading this? This is such trash. <laughs> Jerry Jones says he's iffy. <laughs> Either way, he's dealing, like, Dalton Schultz is dealing with a PCL sprain. Um, he, he suffered late in the game last week. I just hate reading anything Jerry Jones says. <laughs> Not what you yeah. wrote, but what Jerry Jones says. Um, so Dalton Schultz, you taking a flyer on him? Honestly, I... <laughs> Is I, it a flyer? Did you probably draft him in... You probably drafted well, him in like the sixth or seventh round. Like It's not a flyer. You have to play him. If he's out, then like you have to find something to replace him with. But like if he's in the lineup, you're going to play him. Yeah, so maybe, maybe flyer was the wrong word. Basically, I'm approaching this Sunday morning before the game starts. I'm looking at Dalton Schultz news, and if it looks like he's not going to play, I'm taking him out of my lineup, looking for a flyer. But if things are looking good, oh, God, it's, it's a risk to take, but I'm starting him. How do you yeah, feel I mean, about it? I, I'm with you. I'm a little concerned because, like, he was so, like, not within – the game plan last week with Cooper rush at quarterback. And that's my concern. Cause like week one, even though it wasn't his best fancy day, he had nine targets and seven catches with Dak at quarterback. That's good. I'll take that from a tight end uh-huh. every week. Right. And then Cooper rush comes in week two and all of a sudden his target share gets cut in half. Receptions are cut into like fourths. It just, that's the concerning part. My only counter argument would be, you know, the typical thing I've been saying for a year and a half is backup quarterbacks or lesser quarterbacks tend to lean on their tight ends. Um, but yeah, the but stats Cooper you did. just said would be a counter argument. Exactly. So uh, I, I would hope, you know, I, I give Dalton Schultz another chance. One more week. Hopefully, you know, his quarterback settles in after getting his first real, real start or I guess was it a start, or did he come in halfway through? No, he, he started because that got hurt week one. Yeah. Yeah, so got the jitters out and gets to settle in, you know, into the NFL play style. And so I would hope that Schultz gets a little bit more involvement. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Like I said, approach it Monday or Sunday morning. And if he's out, you better take that flyer, you know, find somebody else. And it's going to be real rough because it's week three of the season and it's so hard to go off of uh, just any kind of flyer tight end. I pride myself on being a flyer tight end guy. It's hard. 
it's hard at this point in the season. You need more, you need a bigger sample size. But let's talk about the Giants. Outside of Saquon Barkley, is there anybody you're willing to put in your lineup? Not a fucking chance. And I and I uh. really wanted to eff- <laughs> emphasize the fuck in that. There is no Whoa. fucking chance anybody else on this Whoa. Giants team should be in your lineup. Don't don't sniff at them. Don't even look at them. You're they sh- more than likely they shouldn't even be on your fucking roster. But if they are, just ignore them. <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, watch your language. But if you listen this far in the podcast, you should already know your kids should be yeah. listening. So whatever. <laughs> Anyways, that wraps up, you know, the late games uh, for, you know, the Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night football. We'll get into the real juice of the episode, our starts of the week. And if you would do me the pleasure, my friend, tell me your quarterback start of the week. All right. My quarterback start of the week. This is more of a gut feeling for me. I'm not really basing off stats. It's so early in the season. It's hard to go off of stats, but I'm going. You lost already. (laughs) <laughs> nah, man, it's so early. Like, you know, stats can be so deceiving or this early in the season. Um, but I'm going to go with Joe Burrow against the Jets, man. The The Bengals are are str- They've lost two games in a row on the final play of the game. They are desperate to get this win. And the Jets, even though they've been like somewhat decent as quarterbacks, they held Lamar Jackson to 20 points in week one, which is pretty low for Lamar Jackson standards. Um, Jacoby Brissett even only had 15 points game in week two, but man, I think this, the desperateness this, these Bengals are going to have Joe Burrow is going to come out and light them up and he's not going to let off. He's going to put his foot on the jets defense's throat and not let up until the final buzzer blows. Joe Burrow is going to have a massive game to get the Bengals their first one of the season. God, they better. And just so you know, I think desperateness is a word. I think it's uh, desperation. Or is that the word you were looking for? You know, <laughs> hey, man, I'm just over here making stuff up. You know, you do what you got to do to win the game. And if that's desperateness, then it's desperateness. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. But, yeah. For, for all you English majors out there, desperation it would be the uh, correct way of saying Des- that. Uh, yeah. Well, that's how desperate you are for him to have a good game. So my quarterback start of the week is going to be Derek Carr versus the Tennessee Titans. And it might be a little bit of a homer pick, but, you know, Tennessee got absolutely lit up last week versus Josh this Allen. This is what, which, third week know, in the row for you, right? It'll happen eventually if I keep <laughs> doing it. It'll work. So obviously Josh Allen lights people up, but whatever. Uh, they also let Daniel Jones get 16 fantasy points against him in week one, which isn't a great fantasy performance. But if Daniel Jones can get 16 fantasy points, Derek Carr is going to get more. Derek Carr is coming off a solid bounce back week last week. And I think he builds on it this week against you know a pretty vulnerable Tennessee defense. So, yeah. Why don't you talk about your running back start of the week? Yeah. Funny, I'm actually going to stay in the uh, in the same game here. I'm going to go with Derrick Henry, and obviously that might be a bit, you know, it might be, you obviously spent like a top four pick on Derrick Henry. I understand that. The reason I'm picking him, because Derrick Henry's been trash so far this season, 
you know, 25 yards last week is not good. But I think the Titans are going to, you know, go back to what they know how to do, which is run the football and lean on Derrick Henry. I also think Derrick Henry is just pissed off. Uh, not to mention, he's playing the Raiders. The Raiders have so far been the third worst defense against running back so far this year. Uh, they weren't great against running backs last year either. It's a work in progress defense. And uh, I mean, in all honesty, I think Derrick Henry has a massive, massive game. I think he puts himself right back into the top tier running backs. He's going to have, you know, 130 yards and two touchdowns is what I'm is what I'm predicting. I think you see a major game from Derrick Henry. So uh, 130 yards, two touchdowns, that probably puts him in, you know, the number one territory for running backs this week, but for sure in the top five. Well, that's a real asshole move from you, but um, I can see where <laughs> you're coming from. It, uh, as someone who has Derrick Henry in quite a few leagues, I personally would not be mad about it as a Raiders fan. It it'd be nice to see. So, either way, my running back start of the week is going to be David Montgomery versus the Houston Texans. Uh, David Montgomery had a huge week last week against the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, the Texans have also been lit up by two, um, I'll be honest, you know, very strong running games as far as, you know, the Indianapolis Colts, the Denver Broncos. And I, I just think he, he has the ball rolling this week against, um, I guess, Texas defense because, you know, they've already been exposed by, like I said, two strong running games. And I think the, the Bears have no choice but to really rely on their running game. So Dave Montgomery this week against the Texans. I really, I really like what he's gonna do. Uh, I hope he's gonna do at least. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> what's your wide receiver start of the week, Big Irby? Yeah. Um, and this one might be surprising. I'm really basing this off of uh, Jerry Judy missing this game. It seems like there's a good chance that happens, and when he does, that means Cortland Sutton is gonna go off. I mean, he showed it last week where. He had over 11 catches, you know, 120 some odd yards, whatever it was, and just blew up when Jerry Judy went out. And with Judy more than likely out again this season or this week, I'm sorry, Cortland is gonna going to, you know, just do it again. Russell Wilson is going to rely on him, and I understand that the Niners' defense is pretty damn good. Um, actually, so far on the season against receivers, they are the fourth best defense against them. I don't care. I'm taking Cortland Sutton to have a major game. And like we said a million times in you know our start sit episodes, it's only week three. Going off, of, you know, defenses shutting down receivers or whatever. We need a bigger sample size. I'm with you on that. Cortland Sutton having a big week. I don't care about the 49ers being you know number four. We'll see what happens. You know, week eight if they're still number four. But let me uh, talk about my receiver start of the week. It's going to be Rashad Bateman. Versus nice. New England Patriots, and this is the one I'm like I'm not as confident on, but I really think it's going to happen anyways. They've been pretty strong against receivers the last two weeks, but Lamar's been catching fire, and while he you know catches fire, Rashad Bateman continues to heat up with him. Twelve point nine fantasy points in Week One for Rashad Bateman, eighteen point eight points in Week Two in half PPR leagues. For Rashad Bateman, two consecutive weeks of touchdowns, 
His usage continues to increase throughout the weeks. Uh, I mean, bottom line, I'm taking the bait, man. Rashad Bateman. <laughs> hey, I mean we've we've taken that bait hook, line, and sinker for a year plus at this point. So uh, it's a great pick, and like you said, man, he's just starting to really become his own in this offense, and, and the sky seems to be the limit for Rashad Bateman. Hey, the bait's getting fish now. You know, for a <laughs> year we were putting the bait out. We were we weren't getting fish. Now we're reeling in salmon, yep. baby. Let's go. All right. Uh, we'll go, so, yeah. We'll move, over, <laughs> we'll move to the tight ends here. Um, and we, I kind of spoke on it earlier with the, uh, when we were talking about the Cardinals defense and what they have given up to the tight ends. And it's easy to dismiss. So fucking typical. Yeah. Hey, hey, I mean. I understand they've they've played two really good tight ends. I understand they played Kelsey and Darren Waller. So like, of course, why why would they not be the worst team against you know tight ends so far this year? But especially in week one, Travis Kelsey was like the only guy in the passing game you should have like keyed on, and they and they couldn't do it. I understand Travis Kelsey is a really good tight end. Like obviously, like he's an all time great. We know this. But when he's the Wait, one who? guy, what? Wait, who? Who are you talking Should, about? Well, hold on, I'm getting there. I, I'm getting there. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm getting there. Don't worry. I when Kelsey is the only guy you should have to worry about in the passing game in Week One against the Chiefs, and you're and he still destroys you, even though you're probably double teaming him the entire game. That doesn't bode well. When you have the Rams coming to town, and now you have to cover Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson, who I know is still working his way into this. And then as they focus what? on those two guys, you got good what? old Tyler Higby sitting what? there in the middle, getting what? 10 targets a game. What? And we asked about when that production was going to come. This is the week the production comes with 10 targets sitting his way. He's going to find that into the end zone at least once. So Tyler Higby is my start of the week at tight end. Oh, Tyler's Higby. How many times am I going to say that? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, after last week, I wasn't sure I'd ever consider him as my start of the week again. But, man, I'm I'm back on that bandwagon. Tyler's got to stay together. You guys have a toxic relationship. You have been with him and without him. I think <laughs> at least eight times in the hey, last man, he, year and a half. Hey man, he, I can't help it. He's bringing me back. God, typical toxic relationship statement. I just can't help it. I just love the way he makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, my tight end start of the week is going to be Dawson Knox versus the Dolphins. Taking a little bit of a risk here. The tight end landscape is just fucking horrid right now yeah but if i had to take a flyer right now um not really a flyer but you know take a risk it, you know it'd be dawson knox i really like him this week he had a quiet start to the season and he's not playing his usual 80 plus percent of snaps like he did throughout last season uh obviously he lost his brother a couple months ago just got a fat contract from the bills a lot of stuff's going on with him but his role is slowly increasing as the season progresses. 
And I think this is a good breakout week for him. Last week, Miami just completely diced up the Dolphins. Um, to be fair, it was Lamar and Mark Andrews. So that's a very good connection. But I think, um, especially if, if Gabe Davis is out this week with an injury, that Dawson Knox could see a, a, a pretty good role this week. So I do like Dawson Knox this week. I like it. Um, it's again, it's a little dicey just because he's his usage seems to be so kind of up and down. But you know, I like it. I think, I think he could end up being big things. And the Gabe Davis situation is obviously something to monitor there. Um, so let's go to the uh, the highlight of the episode and uh, give us Stinky's defense of the week. Oh, let's go, baby. If you're playing defenses in your fantasy leagues, which you should be like a true fantasy purist. I'm a part of a few leagues that don't have defenses, and I fucking hate those leagues already two (laughs) weeks into the season. But anyways, um, I only got a few this week. It's a weird one. I obviously I don't include like obvious defenses to start. I like I like to get those ones you can get off the waiver wire. But um let me just dive into it. So I really like the Bengals defense this week against the Jets, which might be kind of obvious. But, you know, Cincinnati last two weeks, they haven't allowed more than 20 points per game. And they're playing the Jets. So this should be a low scoring game and hopefully get some turnovers off of old Joe Flacco. Yeah. And honestly, you might get have some luck because he was also a pickup last week against the Cowboys with Cooper Rush being there. So you could be able to play Cincinnati back to back weeks if you got him last week. Oh, see, there we go. There we go. And moving on to my next one, I really like the Texans defense against Chicago. We touched on it a little bit before, but, you know, uh, Justin Fields hasn't even surpassed 200 passing yards yet this season. And so far, the Houston's defense has been doing pretty good. Also not allowing more than 20 points per game in the last two weeks. And they played some pretty good offenses in the Denver Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts. And that was the Colts with Michael Pittman. So I think Houston has a pretty strong play this week. And for some deeper picks, uh, guys are, are defenses that are probably available in almost any league. You know, I really like the Lions against the Vikings. The Lions are picking up pace, getting a lot of uh, sacks right now. Uh, just really just turning things up. And Kirk Cousins coming off a three interception performance. So the Lions look pretty decent, and I also like the Las Vegas Raiders against the Titans. You know, uh, the Titans' offense is just struggling as a whole. If Derrick Henry doesn't get anything going, the Titans are totally fucked. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know how badly I want to say, of course you pick the Raiders, but I mean, you're not. Am wrong. I wrong? No, you're not wrong. The Titans' offense has been just abysmal this season so far. So, no, it's a good, it's a good play. Yeah, if Derrick Henry doesn't get it going, the you know the Raiders could be a top ten play this week. So if you're looking for some defenses this week, there you go, baby. That's some defenses for you, and that wraps up our late game start sit episode of week three of the NFL season. And man, good luck to everybody this week. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Like and subscribe on your podcast platform. Is there anything you want to say, Big Irby? I just want to say good luck to you all all this week. You know, get them dubs. 
get them dubs and we'll see y'all next week we'll see y'all on tuesday morning with our waiver wire episode sorry for the uh laps on our episode performance we'll be back on it we have some scheduling mishaps but your boys are back at it we're on top of it and we'll be here for you so good luck this week and we'll catch y'all later deuces bye